0: greet you again in the name of Jesus tonight. It's a privilege to be here and I'm just glad for all of you that are here in this building and I'm glad for all of you who are also here uh, through the audio setup and whether you're in your kitchen or in your dining room or wherever you might be, tonight I pray my prayer is what brother leon said that each of those places including this place here would be filled with the holy spirit that god would speak to us tonight thank you for those words about the father and i was thinking yes we can have such a such a wonderful opportunity of coming to our father and who he is and jesus showed us also another, another aspect of that beautiful relationship when he talked about the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know his voice. That relationship is so beautiful. God wants that for each of us. I was struck to... <laughs> with the words of the last verse of song that we sang, if our love were but more simple, we would take him at his word. Do we make things too complicated sometimes? You know, God has really made a provision for us that allows children, young children, young people, to be able to understand. People with a very limited knowledge and, or education and understand the gospel. And perhaps we make it too, too, too complicated sometimes. <clears throat> Tonight I find it just a bit difficult to know how to bring this to a close. Um, I could easily feel... As though there may be a lot of uh, unattached or strings left untied, and and uh, I I just hope that God can somehow uh, bring those together in each of your lives, and so that it can make sense to you, and you can understand what God is is trying to tell you. You know, none of us planned this at all. But it's true. It just really was not a surprise to God at all. The circumstances were allowed, at least by God. I don't know how much of that he ordained. I don't understand God all that well. But I I am happy to 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 concede tonight that God is in control and that God knows what is happening here. God knows what he wants to do. And I just wonder, I keep wondering, what God might be wanting to do with his people during this time. Is there a special message for us? Is there something that, that we really need to listen for? Because the truth of the matter is, we, for I don't know how many generations, have never lived anything like this. It's totally new for all of us. So again, I'd like to just share a few thoughts this this evening uh, about the things that we're all thinking about before we move on into scriptures and and, uh, the message for the evening. I pulled this off of a a letter that that I received several days ago from uh, a good friend and brother of mine, and he was writing about the plague in 1639. That's a long time ago, but it says around 600 people were buried in a small town of Ehlenberg in Germany. Martin Rinkart, the deacon of the Ehlenberg Church, was the one that needed to bury most of these people. And he married Christiana Morgestern, a young woman who shared his convictions and also liked poetry. But she, I'm sorry, she soon turned sick and died. So he married again, this time a widow, Barbara Werner Scheffler. This took place in the midst of the 30 year war. The year after their marriage, the Swedes attacked and burned Ellenburg down. Not only that, at the same time the plague struck, taking 600 people. So starvation struck the entire area. People died of scurvy. One cold winter followed the next, and people did not have enough wood to keep warm. Around the same time, the Prussians also attacked the town and took what was left. But after they departed, Martin wrote a song. Three simple verses. You must have sung it yourself, he says, if not in German, in English. And I'd just like to, to recite these words that I'm sure are familiar with most of you. Think of this being, these words being born during this very, very difficult time. If we think we have a difficult today, uh, we, have, we, don't, we don't know what we're talking about. So she wrote this, Now thank we all our God, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. Oh, may this bounteous God, through all our life be near us, with ever joyful hearts, And blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. All praise and thanks to God the Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with them in highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore. For thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. Do those words take on a new meaning? Thinking about where they came from and thinking about our own situation here. And then today, I think it was, someone sent a reflection that I thought was really um, appropriate for us as we think of what we're living in, what we're facing I'd like to read that, too. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that just after a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open, so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality to how big or how little we really are, to to how little control we have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that, yes, there is fear, but there does not have to be hate, Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. And yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be disease of the soul. And yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you make as how to live now. Today, breathe, listen, behind the factory noises of your panic. The birds are singing again. The sky is clearing, spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty space, sing. And I added, pray, serve, and worship. I don't know how that may speak to you, but I really believe that God wants us to, to take this as, a, as opportunities and not as uh, time to panic and to, to fret and to worry, but to find out what does God want me to do in this situation? Let's, he that hath ears, let him hear what God says to each one of us as we... Listen to him. So let's move on. But before we do that, I'd like to just have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Father, this evening we come to you, the author of all good, the controller of the universe. We thank you that you are in control in what seems to be kind of an out of control situation. And man is incapable of being in control. We are mere human beings. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to find our place, the place that you have for us in this time of uncertainty. And Lord, open our eyes to how we can serve, how we can best um, meet these crises, Lord, be a, a servant of yours. Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this congregation in this community. You know, Father, the needs that are around them, among them. May this be a time, Lord, of opening our eyes to, to the real, to the true. May we be able to slow down enough to see what you want to tell us and show us. And tonight, Lord, we just want to ask you again to come and teach us and help us to hear what you have to say to us. Bless each one, those of us that are gathered here and each one that is listening tonight. May you just minister to each heart in a very special way. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go back again to Luke chapter 15. We would like to continue and, and, and conclude this study on the prodigal son. A fascinating story, really, and I think it has so much to teach us, like, like Brother Leon said, we, we, we have looked at a number of things and we have not Looked at all of the, the, the lessons that we could learn from this, from this passage. First of all, we looked at the result of sin, how sin separates us from God, how a rebellious heart distances us, us from God. And next, we looked at how the son that had distanced, his, distanced himself from his father. Repented, and what repentance looks like, and the turnaround that this young man made—180 degrees, total, complete turnaround. How sin separates. Uh, pardon me. And and we looked at how at some of the hallmarks of true repentance, and true repentance is uh, is is so very important for each of us. And that our lives really need to be lived in repentance. Um, We constantly need to acknowledge where we have erred and where we have made a wrong choice. And repentance is what we need at those times. then last night we looked at the young man's homecoming. One beautiful experience how this man came to his father, and, and, and looking at the father's heart. I would like for us to remember and keep in focus that element of this story, even tonight. And last night we looked at it at some length, the heart of the father and his, his longing for his children to come back home. Uh, our Godfather is that way hes we, we just heard those verses tonight that that is so true. God is longing for us to come back to him, and he wants the very best for us, so he wants us to come home so that we can experience his best for for us and Now tonight, this is our last evening and in in some ways, I'm kind of sad about that. I've enjoyed this time with you all in a, tremendously, my wife and I. have. Now, <clears throat> we would have probably preferred to be able to see each one each evening. And, uh, and I feel in some ways that we weren't able to maybe connect in the same way that we could have if everyone could have been here. But the time spent with some of you at your homes was just really special for us. And uh, for the rest of you as well, it's just been a really blessed time for us. But now we'd like to to conclude this evening by looking at uh, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, and maybe this part of the story is sometimes overlooked. And I want to be careful tonight not to um, misrepresent this story. There's just a number of factors that I really want for us to catch in this story tonight. And I don't want to, to become uh, overly or to uh, become imbalanced in, in how I present this tonight. So maybe you will have to help me. But let's just read now from verse 22, Luke 15, and read to, through the end of the chapter there. Here we have the father accepting, receiving his son, and he said, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. But his brother was angry, the older brother was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I any, at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son comes home, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet. It was appropriate. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Now we have kind of a complex and kind of a, a difficult situation here. In the midst of all this rejoicing, there's a, there's a, a real thorn that comes into the picture. And through it all, and this is something I want you to notice, through it all, I just appreciate so much the Father's response, the Father's way of dealing with this. He was the same Father that received his son back home, his lost son that he was waiting for and watching for. It was the same Father. His heart had not changed even when he came to entreat his older son with the same heart he entreated his older son and i just want you to remember that as we go through here <clears throat> so here was the older son he had been faithfully working in the field he'd been doing what he was supposed to do while his young brother was out wasting his father's goods so he was a good son. And, and maybe I should just mention here again, do you remember who Jesus was telling this story to? He was, and, and why he said it. He was telling it to the Jews that were around him, those that were listening to him, but he had been accused by the Pharisees of eating with sinners, of associating with those that, that were not... Uh, acceptable. And so he's, he's telling them this story. So this older son, he was a good son. He had not done what the younger brother had done, that despicable thing of taking his inheritance, asking for it to begin with, which was not an acceptable thing at all for him to do, and riotously spending it, spurning his father's authority. This older son, he was the good one. He had been obedient and submissive, at least according to him. That was his evaluation. And apparently in this story, he had not heard, he had not known about his younger brother's homecoming. But he discovered it as he was coming home after a hard day's work. And he was probably tired. He'd probably... um, I asked Milo this this evening, uh, how was his day? Well, it was good, but I'm tired, he said. And I suppose this young man, this man was tired as well. He had done a day's work and here. Whoa, there's music. There's something going on here. What's going on? And maybe that contributed to his mood too. I don't know, his... uh, uh, Being tired at the end of the day, doesn't really say, just imagining here, but he discovered that something had happened, something strange was going on when he came home. He heard the music and the dancing. What in the world is going on here? And I would like to look at this tonight through the eyes of three different observers, this this scene with the older son. And, and, and try to understand the, the, a little bit of the dynamics of what we have here. The scripture itself, the text here, provides us with those three different perspectives of what had taken place. First of all, in verse 27, we have the servant's perspective of what had happened. And, and it's very interesting. This was the servant. A servant who I'm sure knew all about what had happened, that this son had been rebellious, had taken off with his father's stuff, and, and lived you know, riotously, and here he came home. Look at the servant's perspective. He said to the older son, thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. What do we gather from this servant's explanation of what was happening? It almost seems like he was rejoicing as well. He was happy about it. It seems like he was, he was just really glad to tell this older brother what had happened, this wonderful thing. Your brother came home. And your father has received him, and they're having a, they're rejoicing, they're, they're, they're feasting in there because of your brother's homecoming. This was the servant's perspective. He was so happy because, I believe, it was because his master was happy. He was rejoicing because his master was rejoicing. He was rejoicing it with his master. He saw it this way perhaps, I think this is the way it is, his master, the father of the older son as well, had received his son, the older son's younger brother. He'd received him safe and sound. And, you know, they had no way of knowing, his father had no way of knowing what had really happened to his younger son. There was not the communication we have today. And I doubt whether he had heard a word from his son ever since he had left. And so this was great reason, according to the servant, to feast, to have a merry time, and he was all into it. It was time to celebrate over something so significant. The younger son had been reconciled to his father. and he was rejoicing. It seemed like he was rejoicing with it, although it doesn't seem like he was involved in the party but his, his spirit seemed to have to say this is a, a wonderful time. And it amazes me to see the attitude of this servant. He was joyful at the, at the success of his master. It seems to me he must have been a dedicated servant. And for him, It was only normal, it was only natural for them to celebrate this wonderful experience of the son coming home. It was only logical to celebrate this great joy that his master was experiencing. Then next, in verse 28, and then in 31 and 32, we have the father's perspective. First of all, in 28 after this son reacted to the servant's explanation of what was going on, he was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and entreated him. Here again we have this father's heart revealed. And this blesses me to see that his father, he was not partial with his sons. And his heart was for his older son as well as for his younger son. He came out and treated him when he saw that he didn't come in. He went out to him. He went and sought him. And it's significant. I believe it's very significant when it says that his father went out to him. His father made efforts his great love and concern is shown here. He left the celebration and went out to talk to his son. And he was concerned for his older son, who wouldn't be seeing that kind of reaction. But the father then says in verse 31 and 32, an explanation, son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. This is the father's perspective: the the dead is alive again, the lost is found. And so he he, he explains that to him. He doesn't say, you know, he could have he could have. Uh, conceded that, well, yeah, this, this lazy young man finally came back home and, uh, and now we're, we're, we're celebrating his homecoming. He, he, he makes it very clear, this was the son that was lost. This was the son that was dead. And, and, and a miracle has happened. This is cause for rejoicing. That's why we're doing this. So let's just think a little bit about the other uh stories that Jesus told at this time the lost coin and the lost sheep. In both of those stories somebody went to find them, went to look for the coin and went to look for the sheep and they were found. Somebody made a, a, an active move to go find him. And in this case in the case of this this young man, was there any uh, anybody that actually went to look for him. We noticed last night that it was on the, or the night before, it was the, 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 the volition of the son, his will and his decision to come back home. But at the same time, his father, in a certain sense, was also went to look for him. He's, he was out waiting for him. He was expecting him. He was praying for his return, Perhaps. It was the father who had been looking for him. He was waiting for him. And where did he find him? He found him while he was still a long ways off. He was outside of town. Before he ever got home, his father went to his son. And the father showed his deep love and concern for him. He actually looked for him in this sense. It cost the father dearly to go meet his son. Imagine that humiliation. Now this banquet was a celebration of success, of finding the lost, of receiving the dead to life again. It was appropriate. It was a natural thing to do. This was the father's perspective. He had found his son. And in verse 28 to 30, we have the perspective of the older son, how he felt about this. He became angry, it says, when the servant told him what was happening, and he refused to go into the banquet. That was his response. He refused to participate in this celebration, and he saw the killing of the fatted calf for the younger son as unjust, unfair. It was not right. The servant had said that the celebration was the father celebrating because he had returned, and he said that he had been... His son had been dead and is now alive. That was why they were celebrating. But the son saw this is unfair, a waste on this brother who had wasted so much of his father's goods. He had been so bad. And furthermore, he claimed a sort of a smug take on the whole thing. After all, he said he had never been disobedient. Do you think that was true? I've yet to find someone who hasn't been disobedient sometime. And I would seriously doubt whether this was really true. But he knew that he was good and his brother had been bad. He had stayed at home. He had continued to serve his father, work for his dad. And he knew that he was good and his brother was bad. And so that takes us back again to those that were listening to Jesus. There were people there who thought they were really good. And Jesus was associating with the bad, the sinners. So his evaluation and comparison was made on the the, the way he measured himself. And he came up really good in his own eyes and he could not understand how someone who had been so bad could now be received again as though there was no reconciliation for him. This young man was angry at the success or the victory of his brother. He, he couldn't join in to that feeling of, of joy at the at the victory of his brother. This was a victory. He was jealous because someone else, his brother, had been reconciled to his father. And he was still focusing on how bad this guy had been. And granted, he was. He he was bad. But forgiveness and reconciliation were not in his vocabulary. He lived under the law an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And grace and forgiveness just weren't in, in his scope of, of understanding or his radar. It didn't fit in. Now this son looked at what was going on, this celebration. Because the efforts and the desire of the father had been fulfilled. But it wasn't for him. It wasn't anything that he could be a part of. And, and on, on the one hand, I say, poor man. And I can almost uh, identify with him to a certain extent. I feel, I feel sorry for this elder son. And you know, in, in that whole uh, scenario, the, the, the scene that we have there, he was probably the only one that was wretched and miserable. Why? Why? He couldn't forgive. His father had forgiven, but he couldn't forgive. He could not accept that this young man could be restored after all that he had done. He needs to be punished, not restored. He should suffer for what he did. He doesn't deserve this. He deserves death, not celebration. He just could not understand. We put it in perspective. He couldn't understand what the gospel of Jesus really meant. And this was the Pharisees' problem. It definitely was. They couldn't understand either how Jesus could accept and, 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 and receive those that were so bad. I'd just like to go back and reflect again on this story. You know, actually, we have three sons in this story. Um, and I'd like for us to just think about which of those three sons we are. I said something last night that probably most likely. All of us can find ourselves somewhere in this story. And and I think it's good for us to reflect on where are we? And tonight I'd like for us to ask uh, ask ourselves, which of these three sons are we? Which son am I? Which son are you? Now you would say there were only two sons. First of all, we have a rebellious younger son squandering his life away. And so tonight I'm asking, where are you? Which son are you? The rebellious young son who squandered his life away in pleasure, living a life of sin, separated from his father, from his loved ones, from his family, thinking that I have the reins on my life, I can do what I want to do, I have the right to make my own decisions and enjoy life and do my thing. This was the younger son, the rebellious son. Or perhaps you are, have not left home, you're not thinking about that, but you can't quite put yourself under authority and you're chafing under the restrictions and the authority that you're living under. You're resisting the authority God has placed on your life. And in a sense, you're separated from your father, from your authority, or your spiritual authority, maybe those in in, in authority in the church, or your husband, your pastor, you're separated You're 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 finding it impossible, difficult to submit to that authority, and there is a distance forming. There's a separation. There's a rebellion that you're feeling. So the second son then is the repentant son, when he turned around and came back home, one who has who recognized his need and has come back to the Father. Maybe you're that son coming back to the father. You're wanting to be with your father. You want to learn how to be submissive. You want to learn how to walk with your father again. And you know that there are those who have not yet accepted you. I don't know how, how much the younger son was aware of the older son's feelings, but it's possible that he, he surely found out about it. And that's, that's difficult know that there's those who don't want you to come back. But you know that the Father is waiting for you. You know that he wants you back. And you know that there are those who who really are celebrating with the Father for your return. You've been received back into the family circle. Maybe you have come back a long time ago. Maybe you're repentant. You've been repentant. It was a long time ago when you were repentant. And you've come back and you've been experiencing the blessings of sonship. You've learned obedience, and your walk and relationship with the Father is sweet and growing. Are you the repentant son tonight in one stage of that experience or another? Or maybe you're the older son who is self-justified and stays outside. You've been obedient, but you've never been recognized. In fact, you've seen that the major portion of attention has been exerted on the rebellious one, and you feel left out, so you struggle with anger. It's not fair. You feel life is not, has not dealt with you fairly. You know that there are those who should suffer for their wrong. You feel they have not yet suffered enough, and you just can't join in the festivities and the rejoicing doesn't seem right to you, and you will not, you will just stand your ground, your heart is cold. Yes, you try to do the right thing, you try to be accepted by the your peers or your or your church, but you feel like like they're those who who should be uh, should be punished and should not be accepted as... as and you, you look maybe down your nose at those who are coming from a different perspective and are, are coming home but still have not quite uh, got there. And I've been thinking those are the three sons and we can probably find ourselves in one of those categories and maybe some of them kind of cross over a little bit too. But I'd like for us to think about where, where we are tonight And I've been thinking of another angle to this scenario of the older son. Maybe maybe you are one who's being accused as being the older son. Proud, pharisaical, because you're concerned about living an obedient life. And, And sometimes there's a tendency of putting people into this category, seeing their sincerity and concern for living obedient lives as being a cover and not being sincere. And you know that's not an easy thing to live with either. When we're accused of being pharisaical and in our hearts we are sincere and want to follow God. But because perhaps our our position that we take we're looked at as being pharisaical. That's not a comfort, that's not a good place to be at either. And so maybe, maybe you also find yourself in that position. I don't know which one of these you are. Maybe. Well, I think we all find ourselves somewhere in there, don't we? I think so. But let's, let's, let's just go back and look again at the Father's response to all of this. And I want, to, I want to just focus again on the Father tonight. Because the Father represents God. And God is the one that we are wanting to focus on tonight. Regardless of where we find ourselves, God is still there waiting. God is still there offering to us whatever we need, wherever we are. It doesn't matter where we are in that, that whole spectrum of, of what we were looking at. God is there, and He's waiting, and He's longing, He's looking, and He's offering us His hand. In the story, the father had offered the father offered grace to both of his sons. That's the father. He receives the one who is coming from a terrible life, and He offers grace to him, forgiveness. And restoration. And then only moments later, he's offering grace to his older son who is critical and, and angry. And he is offering grace to him as well. Come in, son. Join us. You're part of this. You're invited. He's offering grace to both. And one of them accepted, the other rejected the father's offer. The father offered love to both of them. He wasn't partial. He offered love to both of them. The one accepted and the other rejected. The father went out to, to look for his younger son, to receive his younger son. He received his, his younger son. He went out to receive him. But he also went out and looked for his older son. And he also would have received his older son had he not been rejected. The younger son accepted being found and he was overwhelmed by the great love his father had for him. But the older son was not interested in being found. He was satisfied. He thought he was okay. And so he rejected what he was offered. He responded with great hate and anger. His pride did not allow him to humble himself and accept his father's invitation. So he was estranged from his father by his own pride. Pride would not let him go inside. Pride would not allow his shell to crack open. Like I said, I feel sorry. I feel, I feel so sorry for that older older son. He could have... He could have experienced the same joy from a different perspective. he could have he, he was offered the same privileges as his his younger son, his younger brother. So tonight, I'd like to see if we can pull this all together. I'm not sure how to do that, and maybe thinking back over some of the things that we've been looking at and and thinking about over the past. Um, days, I'd just like to encourage us. First of all, as we were looking at in the, in the beginning of the, of the series, I would just encourage us all, and I want to include myself, that we would seek to hallow the name of God. Hallowed be thy name. If we could just personalize that, hallowed be thy name in my life. Hallowed be thy name in this community. And that our prayer would be to make holy the name of God. We can't make it more holy than it is, but we can show his holiness. We can display and and proclaim, declare his holiness. And maybe you will have opportunity in unusual ways in the coming days. Seek to hallow the name of God. Watch for opportunities to do that. Another thing that I was thinking about you know, God is still in the process of freeing us from our prisons and our bondages. Jesus came to set us free, Jesus came to, to release us from, the, from any chain that might be holding us. And tonight we may be struggling with some kind of of hold on our life that just does not allow us to be free. And Jesus would like to address that tonight and and just release us, break that chain, whatever it may be, because he wants us to be free. Jesus came for that. He came to, to revive that little bit of flame that was left that's left on the candle. He came to, to mend that, that uh, broken reed, not to break it off. And so he's inviting us tonight to come to him for freedom, to break those, bond, those bonds, those chains that may be holding us. And I'd like to remind us as well tonight that God is still in the business of healing hearts. And I know that there is a lot of pain in some of our hearts. I don't know most of you very well. But I'm sure that there is a lot of pain. And some of that has been healed. And you have allowed God to heal that pain. But there's still, I'm sure there's still open wounds. There's sores. And maybe some of you have a, a bandage wrapped around your finger and are nursing a wound that you still have and you carry. Tonight I just want to remind us that God is still in the process of healing hearts. And I am so thankful for that. And he's, he, he's so gentle. He's so kind in wanting to heal our hearts. That doesn't mean that the circumstances are going to disappear that have hurt us. But God has this ointment, this way of healing, taking those pieces and putting it together into something that is useful and beautiful. God wants to do that with each of us. And maybe he's begun a, a process of, of healing and he's got some of the pieces together, but we're not letting him take all of the pieces and put them back together. Tonight God is asking us, will you let me heal your heart and take all of those pieces, put them back together, and mix some gold in with, into the cracks making something really, really beautiful. So God tonight is still waiting and watching for us as the father who was waiting along, outside the city, along the road, watching for his son. He's waiting for us to come home. If we still have not done that, He's waiting for us to surrender to him if there's something in our lives that we have not been able to surrender, not been willing to surrender. There may be an issue in our life that we've not been able to surrender. And he's also waiting for us. Maybe there's some reconciliation that we need to make. He's waiting for us, and he's wanting to help us with that, and he's he's just inviting us to do that. And perhaps God is asking you to be an instrument, to serve as an instrument in the healing and freeing of another person who is bound or is hurting. God uses us, uses his people as instruments to go and heal others as well, or be instruments in God's healing in their lives. Be open to that. If God calls you to, to step up to your brother or to your sister and put your arm around them or your elbow and, and just minister to him and ask, you know, how is it going? You're, you're going through some rough times. Have you been, how are you feeling about it? Do you need some prayer? I want to pray for you. And I want to be with you. I want to be by your side. Maybe God is asking you for that. I'd just like to say tonight to each of us, seek after Christ. Seek after truth. And and I, I was just reminded again of these verses that Jesus said, promises that Jesus gave us. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seeking God first is the most important thing we can do. There is nothing on this earth more important than to seek God. And we need to do that daily. We need to do that all the time. In everything that we do, in every decision that we make, to seek God first. God, what do you say? I want to hear what you say. And then Jesus said, "Ask, and it shall be given you; Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you, for each one who asks receives, and each, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be open. And I believe that that is a promise for us. I believe the person who is open seeking truth and truly wants to see and find truth, God is going to lead him into truth. When we can lay down all the, uh, our own agenda and our own ideas and say, God, I I just want to know the truth. I really believe God will do that. If we can clear ourselves of all the, 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 the wrong thoughts or the the wrong thinking, and, and just say, God, I really do want to know what you think. What is truth? Show me truth. And I've seen that over and over again. The person that truly seeks truth finds truth because his heart is just right for God to come and, and minister to it and show truth. And here is the, here is the, the promise He who seeks shall find. That is a promise. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He that hears what God says, let him hear. Open your heart to him. Listen to what he's saying. Follow what God is telling you. And God will come to you. I am convinced. Someone shared a note the other night with us, and I just was blessed by it, and I don't know who it was, but I want to acknowledge that. It said God can calm the storm if he wants to, but sometimes he chooses to calm our heart in the storm. And that may be what he's wanting to do for us tonight. Maybe he's not going to calm the storm. He's not going to make... The virus go away but he can calm us calm our heart in that storm so tonight I just want to invite you whether you're here or whether you're listening and maybe we should just take a few moments here again I would just like for us to reflect and see what God is telling us let's spend some moments of silence um, those that are at home if you could just either band together in, in prayer in silent prayer or maybe one can lead out and pray in your group in your family, wherever you are here at the building we're going to just spend some time in silence and, 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 and cry out to God see what he has to say to us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Tonight the Father is waiting And he's seeking those who want to come to him. And he's promising to those that seek him, they will find him. He was promising that truth will make us free. And he's offering freedom. He's offering to free us from any bondage that we may be in. And he's offering to take those pieces, those shattered pieces and bring them together and make something beautiful if we allow him to do that. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for this precious moment of reflection. And God, you know our hearts. You know each heart here tonight, as we're gathered together, and you know each heart that is listening in tonight. You know our hearts from one end to the other. You know even the hidden things of our hearts. If there are things that we have not been able to bring to light, and are carrying ourselves You know, Father, the hurts and the pain that we carry. And Father, tonight you're offering to us healing. You're offering to us mending. You're offering freedom for us. Lord, you're offering to us exactly what we need because you are the only one that really knows what we need and you're offering to us exactly what we need. Tonight, Father, I just pray somehow you would minister to each soul under the sound of my voice that you would somehow just fill each heart with a sense of your presence and your, your uh, provision for them, O God. Glorify your name, O God. Magnify yourself. You are our Father. You are our God. You are the only one who deserves tonight to be praised and honored, and we worship you, Lord. May you be honored tonight, and in each of our lives, O God. Bless this congregation, O God. O Father, you know each need, and I pray that you would bless each one. And I pray for those that are in leadership, God, you know what they face and what they need, O God, give them much wisdom and divine guidance, Lord. O God, be near to them. May this community see your light and your love. May they see who you are through these people, Lord, through your people. Thank you. I commit them to you, Father. I pray your blessing on them, O God. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so tonight I would just like to thank you. For us, this has been a tremendous blessing to be among you. You've just received us so well and blessed us so much in so many ways. Thank you for that. And I was just thinking, you know, it's just a bit awkward to um, how do you say um, dis, uh, despedir um, to say goodbye to you that's kind of an elementary way of saying what I want to say but you understand, saying goodbye to you with A very small percentage of the group and the rest of you are maybe listening in but it's it feels awkward I would like to wish I could just hug all of you and uh, give you a a blessing so yeah I I hope that uh, in spite of these distractions I may have wanted to distract us and I hope that we can have been blessed but I would like to say Uh, i would I, I I would like to to open myself or open ourselves to you all and i if i 'm allowed to I would like to give my email address because i 'm wondering if you know maybe i uh, there's some doubt that somebody is going is going is facing some some uncertainty about something i 've said or uh your situation um, maybe you 'd like to challenge me on something that I've said, or correct me, I'd be open to that. Or maybe I didn't quite hit your situation. And you say, yes, but that's not quite where I'm at. And and maybe you would like to to talk about that. Uh, I, I would just like to open myself to you all, if that's okay. Um, because it feels like we're just a little bit uh, fragmented in, in this uh, then uh, this closing at the same time I've felt such a warmth here that it's just really been a blessing to us and God bless you for it So, I, uh, should I just put it up here on the board how would be the best way to give up a... ok I, I have it here so you can just um... yeah you have it <laughs> we don't have to do any yes if you want to do that I'd appreciate that God bless each of you. I'm just going to turn the meeting back to Brother Leon and uh, pray for us. We're also needing some more healing and some more uh, direction and God putting things together in our life. Thank you for your kind support and prayers and your blessing.